0: From the studios of Farm Journal Broadcast, this is Ag Day.
1: From making fabric to becoming top fashion,
0: to actually see it working and to like feel the fabric coming off the loom, feel the yarns, feel the, the slivers, feel the rovings and things like that.
1: See what goes into creating this iconic item that's in everyone's closet. As war rages on between Israel and Hamas, food help is on the way from the U.S. to thousands of people.
2: I got no pushback, virtually none.
1: And when could we see a new farm bill? Why some say not before the end of the year, what some leaders have in mind instead, right now on Ag Day.
3: Ag Day, presented by Pioneer. What's next happens when experience meets expertise. Pioneer, what's next
2: happens here.
1: Good morning, I'm Tyne Morgan coming to you from our Farm Journal studios in Kansas City. Clinton has the day off. Well, as the U.S. House looks for a path forward and a new speaker, the future farm bill hangs in the balance, with many in Congress now shifting away from a full-blown reauthorization this year. Ex-Secretary Tom Vilsack discussing the farm bill in Kankakee, Illinois this week. Our friends at FarmWeek.com on hand. Vilsack meeting with farmers at a fourth-generation grain farm outlining the Biden administration's vision for expanding the farm economy from the middle out. He also announced an additional $52 million in awards to expand domestic fertilizer production and the expansion of crop insurance for double cropping. The secretary also touching on what he sees as a key ingredient needed in the farm bill local and regional food systems.
2: The worst thing that could, be do, that, that could happen would be for the Farm Bill to be written in a way that eliminates that. Because many of the programs in local and regional food systems are supported by the Farm
1: Bill. First and foremost, we need to get the Farm Bill done, and secondly, how important some of the grants that um, the different entities, farmers and different entities have received, how important that's been really to my district and, and keeping family farms going, helping young farmers, but also helping different educational programs, which are really important also. But getting that new farm bill before the end of the year is looking more like a distant possibility. Farm Journal Washington analyst Jim Wiesmeyer telling us that key Senate Republicans are advocating for a one-year extension of the farm bill. He says the change can be attributed to the current power struggle in the House of Representatives and uncertainties surrounding the pressing need to avert a government shutdown next month. The Senate Ag Committee's ranking Republican John Boozman of Arkansas saying the next spending package needed to keep the government open would be a good opportunity for an extension. Other senior committee Republicans, including Senator Chuck Grassley of Iowa, have also voiced support for a short-term extension. However, Wiesmeyer says Senate Ag Committee Chairwoman Democrat Debbie Stabenow of Michigan maintains it's premature to abandon the idea of a full five-year farm bill. Also a focus right now in Congress, the war between Israel and Hamas. President Biden addressing the nation last night after just returning from a high-stakes visit to Israel. As John Lawrence reports, food and other humanitarian aid is on the way from the U.S.
2: As pro-Israeli and pro-Palestinian rallies are held separately in the U.S., Gaza is about to get some much-needed assistance. I got no pushback, virtually none. Let me say it again, I got no pushback. From the Israelis from or from every all the partners here? All the partners. The Biden White House has earmarked $100 million worth of support for Gaza and the West Bank. I was very blunt about the need to support getting humanitarian aid to Gaza, get it to Gaza and do it quickly. The funds will be used to support the more than 1 million people who've been displaced
4: since the start of the war between
2: Israel and
4: Hamas. Material has to get in uh, to Gaza medicine and food and fuel. Uh, fuel, by the way, is not just for the civilian population, it, it powers things like uh, desalination uh, plants that help provide water.
2: Israel says it will eradicate Hamas after the militant group's attack on an Israeli music festival earlier this month that killed 1,400 people, while Palestinian officials are blaming Israel for Tuesday's deadly blast on a hospital in Gaza.
4: I went into the building and suddenly heard strikes. Many of my friends
2: were killed. A spokesperson for the Israel Defense Forces and U.S. government officials Both believe Palestinian Islamic Jihad is to blame for the hospital attack, which the group denies. I'm John Lawrence reporting.
1: Well, China is taking a major step forward with its own ag production, approving 51 genetically modified crops. It comes after years of delay when it comes to GM crops. The approvals, which will become final after a 30-day comment period, open the door for seed companies to produce and sell 37 new GM corn varieties and 17 new soybean varieties to Chinese farmers in time for the upcoming spring planting season. The approved GM crops come with several traits, including pest resistance, frost and heat tolerance, and compatibility with herbicides like glyphosate. All of the approved GM crop varieties were reportedly developed by domestic Chinese companies. Experts say the move will reshape China's ag economy with record-breaking corn and soybean yields anticipated for the coming year. And while China is the biggest buyer of U.S. ag, Russia appears to be gaining a foothold. Reuters reporting that Russia's EPT grain export company is now in a contract with China to supply 70 million tons of Russian grains that includes legumes and oil seeds. It says the contract is good for 12 years with the possibility of an extension. One Russian ag watchdog says the country's grain exports to Beijing have grown to a record 3.5 million tons since the start of the year. That's up from 2.2 million tons for all of last year. Well, one thing that's guaranteed to happen during harvest time, the weather can make some dramatic swings. Meteorologist Matt Ingelbrecht joins us now to take a look at some big changes ahead.
4: Yeah, that's a really good way to put it, dramatic swings. Into next week, uh, locations that are blue are going to be orange. Locations that are orange are going to be blue. Now that's again coming up next week. If we go deeper into the start of November, you see how everything starts to flip uh, with uh, those dramatic swings in temperatures in and across the United States below average temperatures into the Dakotas, uh, Minnesota, as well as into you know, parts of Texas and Oklahoma, October 26th through the first now coming up in just a little bit. We'll actually take a look at the more immediate future and the pattern, which could hold uh, some warmer than average conditions. But a lot of this cold air, we're starting to see it pool back up into Canada. So by the time we get to the end of October around Halloween and the start of November, it's going to start to make its way in and across the United States. Go ahead, take a look at your screen here. No, seriously, you got to look at this one. Look how cute this is. Not only that, check out the backdrop as well. Uh, Hello. (laughs) It's sent in by Kevin of Fort Collins, Colorado. Kevin capturing a curious cow. And an amazing sunset. I'll have more on your forecast coming up.
1: Well, the overall condition of the nation's pasture and rangelands, well, that's getting worse. 37% is rated poor to very poor. That's up one point from last week. From the southern plains to the western Gulf Coast, on north to the western Corn Belt, things are looking pretty rough, with Texas particularly hit hard. And the further north you go, meteorologist Brad Rippey says the less likely those pastures will recover before cold weather sets in. Still in the
0: south at this time of year, if you get some good soaking rains, you can revive those pastures. But just like winter grains, you really tend to not see much grass development once temperatures, average temperatures, that is, drop below about 40 degrees Fahrenheit. So we're getting within about two to four weeks or so when you're not going to see significant recovery.
1: Right now, USDA reports only 33% of pasture and range conditions are rated good to excellent. For a second straight month, the overall Rural Main Street Index is registering below growth neutral. The monthly survey of rural bankers now registering at 44.4. That's down from last month's 49.5 reading. Ernie Goss of Creighton University, which conducts the survey, says it's the weakest reading so far this year, and he says it points to weaker farm and non-farm economies. Roughly 44% of the bankers said low or falling crop prices are a top concern in regards to farm profitability in the next 13 months, while 22% pointed to rising interest rates as another big concern. Also a concern, the bull market for cattle right now. Is it coming to an end? Michelle Rook dives into that in our markets now. And later, from a mill in Louisiana, a fashion icon is born. See how it's made in the country. There are reports the largest pork producer in the U.S. is looking to return to the U.S. stock market. The Wall Street Journal says Chinese-owned pork producer Smithfield is reportedly in discussions about it. It says the Chinese parent company of Smithfield, WH Group, is collaborating with banks to explore the possibility, with the listing potentially happen- happening as early as next year. Smithfield was acquired by China's top meat producer in 2013, resulting in its delisting from the New York Stock Exchange. It went public in Hong Kong in 20. 14. Other major meat companies like Brazil's JBS are also considering U.S. listings amid challenging conditions in the meat industry. So can the cattle market continue to shake off the outside market war demand news and what will be the signal that the bull market is over? AgDays' Michelle Rook asks those questions in Markets Now. Welcome to Markets Now. I'm Michelle Rook with Brad Coima with Cuima Coima Varlic and Brad we've been in a big bull market in the cattle and you know how long can this continue with all of this outside market noise that we've had?
0: Everybody knows that's worth their salt anyway. That the the coverage, what, at sixty-year lows, um, so you know we've got a basic supply situation that sets up pretty frowning You know, you mentioned the outside stuff, right? Um, this is over my pay grade. I'm not a defense uh, uh, specialist here to know how this is going to end, uh, I hope, well and quickly in terms of what's going on in, in the Middle East, of course, and that it stays contained. I, I think that the market seems to be saying that if you know, if, if this conflict can be handled uh, regionally uh, without this terrorism spreading to other areas like the United States, we experience that. We know what happens to sentiment and what happens to the psychic of the long speculator and for that matter what happens to the consumer uh they freeze up they don't dare to go anywhere they don't want to go out they don't want to travel they don't you know all that stuff right um i don't know i i i feel like you know we're about 10 days deep into this now it feels to me like the market's so far so good
1: so what is the signal that you're going to be watching for to tell you that this bull market might be over or taking a little bit of a break
0: The fundamental deal to me would be a lack of currentness um, if that would happen. Now, uh, you know, people are going to go, well, that's a a lot of hard work, Brad, watch the fundamentals, you know, whatever. I I guess, you know, from a longer term standpoint, if December cattle would get back below 182, I'd be deeply concerned. Uh, That area provided great support, you know, through the summer. Um, I suppose that would be where I'd probably draw my line in the sand. But, you know, I've been telling other guys, you know, you buy 181 puts for a dollar on December Candle, that's a quite a level. Um I don't have it up exactly. Maybe it isn't a dollar, maybe it's a dollar ten, whatever. But um, you know, I, do something uh, to manage your risk, but that gives you upside potential would still be my
3: uh be my advice.
1: Thanks so much, Brad Kruger with Crima Quima Bar Lake. We'll have more Ag Day coming up.
3: To contact Brad, give him a call at 712 722 23 or visit the website at kkvtrading.com. Your next piece of equipment is on MachineryPete.com. Search equipment from dealerships across the country to find what you're looking for. Only on MachineryPete.com.
4: As promised a little bit ago, we looked at kind of the end of October into November. More immediate future uh, has temperatures uh, cooler than average in across the Midwest and the Southeast as our low pressure system, our trough, digs in across the United States and eventually is going to move off to the Northeast. That pocket of cool air, that's right here. You got more of the thirties and the forties. This is coming up for uh, tomorrow morning and more of the mid to upper fifties back out here towards the west. But actually you can kind of get a sense of uh, the next ridge that is going to be building in right in here. That is going to strengthen and grow off towards the east and the northeast in the coming week. So tomorrow afternoon, uh, still some cooler air out there into uh, parts of upstate New York in the Northeast and then the heat back down into Texas 93 in San Antonio, 92 in Dallas and then a pocket of some cooler air, kind of the trailing bit uh, of this uh, trough back off towards the West. So the long term pattern you're going to see uh, a lot of ridging and a lot of troughing and that's where we get our big swings in our temperatures. So Friday, Saturday and Sunday that trough is going to be matched up with that pocket of cool air that is going to translate off to the north and to the Northeast, possibly strengthen as it gets back into Maine and up there to the top right corner of your screen. In its wake, there's your ridge starting to build. So this is on Sunday. Uh, Expect this to amplify out for Tuesday and Wednesday, uh, bringing in not only quiet conditions, but uh, above average heat across these areas as well. So we had uh, the trough moving out, the ridge building in on Tuesday, and then way back up here, top left corner of your screen. If you're looking for a frost or cold temperatures, you wanna follow this piece of energy through the jet stream Wednesday, Thursday and Friday. You can see by Thursday and Friday, this starts to dip down, reacting to a pocket of cold air. The deeper we get into October and early November, uh, the colder that air is behind some of these troughs, behind some of these cold fronts. So keep an eye on that, uh, not this weekend, uh, but next weekend. Here's a look at that precipitation outlook October 24th through the 28th. uh, That trough is going to try and dig and uh, possibly some wetter than normal conditions. Roy, Montana, sunny, high around 71 degrees, low of 39 degrees. Roy, Stun, morning light rain, high around 71 degrees, low of 46. Ray, Mund, Mississippi, mostly cloudy, high around 88. Still ahead, one of our very own
1: YouTube stars, Machine Repeat, talks about one of his favorite videos he's made over the years, and later see how a classic fashion piece is weaved together at a mill in Louisiana in the country. Farm Journal has some of its own YouTube stars, and one of them is Machinery Pete, and he has more on one of his favorite YouTube videos.
5: Well, folks, I've had a ton of fun posting Machinery Pete YouTube videos over the last 14 years, covering auctions all over the country. I'm going to be out on the road in Winchester, Kentucky, Saturday, October 28th, a great sale by Taylor Auction Company, awesome line of John Deere tractors. Hope to see you there. Now if I think back over the years, uh, one of the most memorable uh, YouTube videos I posted was an auction from June 28th of 2014 in Bedford, Iowa, collector auction for renowned collector Keen Thummel, John Deere and Alice Chalmers tractors. And one of the headliners on that sale was this beautiful Open Station Restore John Deere 6030 sold for 64,000 bucks. And folks, that stood as the all-time record high auction price on a 6030 for almost nine and a half years until this past Monday. October 16th, an online collector auction in the evening by Hanold Auctioneering in Chesterfield, Illinois. Holy smokes, it was unbelievable. They had two 6030s on this auction, and here's the 1970 with 4,598 uh, original hours been restored. That brought 81,855 bucks. But honestly, that one got lost in the wash because the other 6030. Holy smokes this thing was a rare non-turbo. Deer only made 45 of these things. Folks, this thing, the online bidding just kept going and going and going and going. Wound up selling the hammer price was $141,000. Tack on the 7% buyer's fee and it was $150,870. I'm guessing this record might stand a while. And oh, by the way, same auction had a John Deere 5020 1969 model, hundred and seven thousand dollars.
1: Thanks, Greg. Well, it's a long way from the fashion runways of Paris, but what the Louisiana, but what this Louisiana mill creates captures the eye of designers around the world. That's in the country. Well, there's a small town in Louisiana that's providing fashion designers worldwide an essential material. Much of it is made from the cotton grown in the area and the Mid South. LSU Ag Center reporter Craig Gotro has the story from Vidalia, Louisiana.
3: Just a short distance from the banks of the Mississippi, Vidalia Mills is busy making yarn and an important material used in many apparel items denim. A group from the LSU Ag Center Textiles, Apparel Design and Merchandising Department toured the facility and got to see how premium denim is made.
1: It has a very thin selvage, which is the very edge of the fabric, and it's really decorative and pretty, and your high-end denims will actually include that as part of the outseam of the garment.
3: While only employees of the department were part of the tour group, some thought it would be beneficial for students to see the inner workings of a major textile operation.
0: To actually see it working. And to like, feel the fabric coming off the loom, feel the yarns, feel the, the slivers, feel the rovings and things like that, you know, they don't necessarily get that in the classroom.
3: A key ingredient for the products being manufactured is cotton, some of which is grown in the nearby fields. Having raw materials close by is an area of research Standard has an interest in.
1: The idea of local and sustainable has always been a part of my research program. It's something I try to bring into the classroom, and it's something I really want to emphasize to the students. So, it was like, we got to come here.
3: Not only are the materials coming from the area, but the meal has brought good jobs to a region that is one of the most disadvantaged economic locations in the state.
5: I like the idea of bringing jobs back to a community, uh, good paying jobs. Uh, the other part of the, the equation is, he pays 100% of the medical coverage for an employee here.
3: While Valdelia Mills is a long way from the runways of Paris, Milan, and New York, you may find a design that got its start in this small town along the Mississippi River. With the LSU Ag Center, this is Craig Gautreaux reporting.
1: Thanks, Craig. Well, that's all the time we have this morning. Thank you for watching. For all of us at Ag Day, I'm Tyne Morgan. Have a great day in farm country.